Hey, this is Susie Fawcett, and I'd just like to acknowledge that today I'm speaking on Bunjalung country. I'd like to pay respect to the elders, past, present, and future of the Wijibul Wiable nations of people. Joining me in the studio today is Gold Coast based learning coach Meredith KS. Welcome to the studio, Meredith. Thanks, Susie. Meredith, can you tell us a little bit about what a learning coach is at Southern Cross University? A learning coach is somebody who supports students in their development of academic skills. So they could be numeracy skills or assessment writing skills, study skills, but those kinds of abilities and understandings that help students succeed at their studies. Do many students at Southern Cross take advantage of this opportunity to visit the learning zone? Not as many as you would expect. So it's a free service available to students. Um, and we have individual consultations, workshops that, that cover all kinds of generic skills, such as, you know, how to write a report or a case study or reference or how to keep a concept journal, whatever it is. I think a lot of students intend to come along and, and use our services, but perhaps things are busy. You know, life's busy and things get in the way. Students will use our resources. So we have short clips and little one and two page guides that give you the essence of how to do something, whether it's writing an introduction or planning, whatever it is. So I think, you know, beginning of study, things can be very busy and they can know we exist. And then it's about fitting in to their life or their schedule, accessing our service and resources. Short answer, not as many students as you would think um, access us. One of the things that I know the Learning Zone um, does is have appointments and you can book an appointment with a, with a Learning Zone coach to review an essay. How does that work? Every time we consult, we're trying to provide a, a moment where students can continue to develop their toolbox of study skills or assignment writing skills. So it's all about trying to create this empowering 25 to 30 minutes. Now, they at the moment, they're happening via phone or online, you know, Zoom or Collaborate. And so it's about this process of assisting students to whatever it is. We might go through the assignment details and rubric together and develop those capacities for interpreting the assignment. Have you got a little strategy? Can we help you with that process? It could be about going through the assignment together and identifying the strengths and areas that could be worked upon. But it's not about the learning coach uh, giving the answers. It's about setting up a situation where students uh, learn to learn. And so there's a lot of talk about the process of learning, developing skills, tiny, simple little strategies that can make a big difference in terms of understanding and grades. So they're pretty relaxed. We kind of do a bit of problem solving, a couple of minutes of introduction at the beginning. We usually identify one or two things we want to achieve in that time. And by the time we get to the end of that 25 to 30 minutes, um, students leave with really practical steps to move forward. And do your records show that once the students come to you with an essay for advice, are they perhaps more successful in their essays generally? It's a really difficult thing to prove because is it a, a correlative relationship or a causal relationship when there's so much else going on, including that key learning relationship with the unit assessor and tutor in a unit? 
it appears that it has an impact and uh, students will tell us that they learn. But of course, it's always happening in a really busy context where learning is supported through the unit and various other ways as well. So that main learning relationship with the tutor and then with peers is super important. But a learning coach can come in and there could be these key points when a new type of assignment comes up. So it might be an essay or a reflective assignment or a particular type of exam where the learning coach can help students develop confidence, study confidence, but also particular skills and understandings so they can keep learning how to learn, which is what it's all about, helping students learn how to learn in the particular context they're in so they can navigate that uh, to the best of their abilities. And your background is in cultural studies and women's studies, is Mm -hmm. that correct? Yeah. What happens when a student comes to you with a statistics problem or an osteo student Mm. or a law Mm. student, how do you go about helping those students that are completely outside of your area of study? It's a really good question. It's an opportunity to clarify a bit more about what learning coaches do. So tutors and your unit assessor, your teachers in the unit are teaching you about unit content. They're, you know, all the ideas, all the information, all the capacities, they're teaching you about, you know, ways to approach knowledge and make knowledge and various concepts and theories and so on, so unit content. Whereas learning coaches don't touch unit content. What they do is help you navigate that unit context. So um, there are shared patterns across units. So there's really specific disciplinary approaches to assignments and knowledge and um, professional future professional roles that you're being prepared for. But there are common patterns as well, such as all of the assignments have assessment details and rubrics. How do you use those strategically so you put in the same effort and get the best grades and the deepest learning outcomes? Or how do you keep a concept journal that allows you to really focus in on the abstract ideas, the big ideas and theories they're teaching you and get deep learning outcomes so you're constantly working towards your assignments or whatever it is. So those kinds of study skills, assignment and exam skills and capacities They get expressed differently in different disciplines or different courses, but there's some commonality. So the learning coach doesn't, this will sound strange, the learning coach doesn't need to know the content because the student does. It's it's often about the ability to reflect. What's the learning context that I'm in? What are all the key messages that the teacher keeps offering me? What's emphasised in the unit materials? What's the assignment or exams asking me to do? Where am I getting the most marks? That kind of interpreting the, the unit and assignment context so you can navigate it to best advantage. Learning coaches can do that across across uh, different courses but we do also have a numeracy um, learning coach that can really help with some of that numeracy stuff which is different from other types of literacies. You mentioned how important a self-reflection practice is. How can students use self-reflection to be a successful student? I think it's the key and we all do it slightly differently and students will see that more and more there are reflective assignments that they're being set and that those reflective skills are going to be really important in their future professional role so that we can build this cycle of experimentation and improvement. And so in terms of being a student, if we can self-reflect, we can attempt to take a step back. And so instead of just being immersed in all of the intensity and all of the information and the waves of excitement and when we're studying, we attempt to get a bit of space so that we can then see 
see the unit learning context, see what's expected of us, but also see our own approaches, our own processes, our own challenges, our own strengths. So it's this constant attempt to try and get a bit of distance as much as we can. We're always immersed uh, to be able to make some really authentic judgments, not, oh, it's a complete train wreck or everything's fantastic. Either ends of those spectrums aren't going to be helpful. But if I take a step back, what can I see? So if I was reflecting upon perhaps an assignment I've just submitted, I might make a little list of What did I think I did well in terms of that process? And what could I improve next time? What would be the practical things that I would do? So if it was me, I would have spent way too long reading and kind of getting down rabbit holes and maybe not enough time on editing. So it's a really nuts and bolts practical thing. If I reflect upon that process, maybe I'll allocate more time to editing next time to push up my grade. Or, you know, if I reflect upon what happened in the tutorial, what was the teacher really emphasizing? How is that related to the assignment? So it's this constant process of trying to get a bit of distance so I can see what's happening. And if I can see in inverted commas, whether it's my process or the context, I've got an opportunity to start experimenting, tweaking, changing, improving. Mm -hmm. But if I can't see then I'm just in the middle of it. So it's this constant attempt to kind of get a bit of distance so I can be quite creative and experimental. When you're a student, not all of the feedback you receive (laughs) is what you wanted to hear. Mm -hmm. But it's also very important to take a moment and reflect on that feedback as well and Mm -hmm. how to best use that as you go forward. Mm. We we all put our heart and souls into those assignments, all that problem-solving, all that effort all that time, you know, Um, and you know when teachers are giving you feedback, they see that feedback as a key moment in the learning relationship. One of the few times they get to see your writing, your thinking uh, in real detail. And so they see that as really powerful and a really powerful part of the learning experience and their relationship with you. So number one, that's kind of helpful to think of it that way. They're, They're trying to be supportive and help me in terms of my learning. And then this may or may not be attractive, but often we learn the most from moments in life or study that don't go as as planned, don't go as well as we expected. And that, if we can reflect upon those moments, that's where we can make often quite small changes that have really big outcomes in terms of learning, enjoyment of study, but also our grades, right? So, yeah, but it's also worthwhile once you've got your feedback and you've reflected upon it, you know, to talk to your tutor about it, to ask the questions. And then the next step, if you can, is to then put into practice whatever they've suggested or whatever you've identified as something you could experiment with for next time round. If we constantly are learning, it's a constant process. Yeah, I like what you're saying. It's more about the journey and not so much about the destinations. There's so many learning outcomes that happen or so much we get out of assignments that that supplement the grade. I know grades are really important and and people will be grade oriented and and that's that's a legitimate choice. But there's so much else that we get as we're going through that journey, that learning moment, and it can be very intense and really challenging as well as joyful. That's the reality of study. It can be very intense. One of the phrases that is bandied around a lot is academic literacy. Mm. Can you unpack that phrase for us, please? It's a loaded kind of concept, and it's a big concept. And so a really simple way of thinking about it is that literacy is about being able to understand and participate in 
that that's one way of thinking about academic literacy that we're able to interpret and understand the context or the text or the assignment or the learning environment we find ourselves in so we understand what are the explicit really clearly stated rules or conventions and the ones that are unspoken as well we get to learn those so we've got a sense of what are the conventions expectations traditions what's valued what's not valued in the learning context we find ourselves and that can be units courses the university when we come to study, we're walking into an already functioning scholarly community and institution. So it's getting an understanding. One way of saying it might be the lay of the land. Right? So what's already valued? What are the rules, spoken and unspoken? What's highly valued? So we've got a sense of, of what we're navigating, but also the ability to be able to participate in that, knowing what you're doing. So that idea of learning the rules in inverted commas, it's not so you just slavishly adhere to them. But once you know what the expectations or rules are, you, you've got a chance to navigate them. You know, when, when are you going to make a decision to, to subvert them or disrupt them? When is it better to adhere and explicitly adhere and then in other ways tweak? And it's also based on this idea that when you enter into this you know, already functioning community, it not only changes you, but you change it. As, as we participate at university, we, we get changed. So we change our worldviews, our identity, our skills, but you coming to university changes the community as well. You change your discipline as you keep participating in it. So it's pretty complex, but that idea of I'm learning how to participate in this particular context, um, I've got a sense of what the rules and what's valued so I can navigate that. And then as you say, there's lots and lots of um, emphasis on that and academic integrity is probably one of those big literacies that's very emphasised at universities as, as incredibly important, highly valued. One of my biggest hurdles when I started university, uh, I was doing written communication mm -hmm. and we had to critically examine these articles and where the author may be faltering or find the bias and I remember thinking well hang on I'm a first year student who am I to be questioning mm -hmm. what's written by this academic or this public figure and I found that a really difficult thing mm -hmm. to get my head around. Yeah absolutely it can be I think it can feel like a real burden at the beginning but um, just flipping it that unit is is attempting to teach students a whole a whole lot of different academic literacies and that that thing around critical thinking that idea that a source can be rigorous but um, but is still offering an argument is still offering a perspective on the world it, it's going to have limitations like any text gaps and limitations and that idea you're right though that that we get trained in critique where we look for the weaknesses and then we'll we'll make various arguments about that, whether we're going to fill those or that undoes the whole sources. It's a particular way of approaching knowledge and knowledge making, this, this critique kind of approach. And right from the beginning, it's so important. They're teaching you in first session. It's about that approach to knowledge. But in other courses, they approach knowledge quite differently and knowledge making differently. And they'll teach that from the very beginning, whether it's the scientific method or whatever it is. But it's good to know that they're trying to teach us the literacies. They're trying to teach us how they approach knowledge, your relationship to knowledge right from the beginning. So in the health and human sciences, it might be about learning to be an evidence-based practitioner right from the start because that's so important 
to their discipline, but to your future role. One of the things that I've heard the Vice-Chancellor speak about this year is the university's effort to improve retention rates. Mm, mm. Does the Learning Zone help with that? It's one of our roles, uh, is, is to sp- support student retention. And so if uh, so, there's so many factors, it's so complicated, what drives retention and how it's measured, what is retention. Um, re- really complicated and it's it's shaped by all kinds of factors outside of the university in terms of how attrition and retention get measured uh, and the nature of universities like SCU um, that, that often are alternative pathways and students come to, to study for a session or two at SCU always with the intention of going to another university. But also, we do want to, you know, we do want to try and keep the students that come here. We we value them, and and so from from a learning zone point of view, if we can support students to learn how to navigate their learning context, feel a sense of belonging because they have got that sense of what's going on and how they're navigating it, that can contribute to to retention. That that students can feel able to study here and and excel. So, so that I guess is our, our main contribution that we're trying to support students to develop the understanding and skills they need to be able to navigate their learning context and, and to do well in their studies. We really try and focus on the big transitional moments. So we support transitional students knowing that coming to study at university is as big a deal as traveling overseas or starting a new job or having children or whatever those big life shifts are that that can be really disorienting, really disrupting, and it takes time to feel competence and a sense of being at home. And so that first study session, whether it's in first year, there's another transition in second year from introductory to intermediate. I say second year, but people's study paths are, are messier than that. But that, that shift from, from an introductory to intermediary, it could be the first session in a master's coursework unit. Um, it could be the final unit um, in, a, in a degree, you know, that kind of starting. But these key moments of transition are moments of big change. And so that idea of how do we manage this transition, particularly if we're brand new to university, where we're fitting study into an already busy life, so now we're using our time differently. So everyone around us has to get used to us using our time differently. We've got all our dreams and hopes for this course on our shoulders as we come in, so a lot of pressure about, I really need to succeed, this is my one chance at it, I don't want to be embarrassed in front of people, whatever, all of that, all of those hopes and excitement. And then we've come into this brand new context where we're reading very complex sources. The assignment details and rubrics are very technical documents that are all, all the information's there, but we need to know how to read it. We might need to learn how to develop technical skills. We might be using phones all the time, but never using Word or computers. Um, reading very complex sources and we're being asked to read them in particular ways. Complete the assignments, fit study into our life, find a study pattern. Like it's a massive learning curve of that first session but students tend to it, it tends to be the first five to six weeks that are these waves of excitement and overwhelm and everybody feels it moments of excitement and overwhelm and everyone deals with it differently 
and then study break. And so we kind of take a breath, but there's often assignments due in study break. And then we come after study break and what we can see is a lot of assignments in front of us. We've made it though. I mean, the, the important thing is you've made it through study break and now you've got the assignments to complete. And so that kind of first session, knowing that you're going to be in a completely different place by the end of first session and by the end of first year, you're going to feel like an old hand as, as you move into your intermediate units, but intense. And so allowing yourself cut the slack. I need to repeat. Often repetition is how we learn. I need time. I need support from people around me as best as they can. Trust myself to get through. Attending tutorials online or on campus is going to haul you along. You might not feel like it. You're too busy. You want to get your assignments done. But the unit pulls you along with the momentum. It teaches you a key learning relationship. So always attending those tutorials, even when you don't feel like it, even if you're just going to sit there and, and you know not say much, you're participating and it pulls you along. And then the other kind of key tip that can be helpful is becoming really assessment focused. So of course, you've got your weekly kind of responsibilities. I've got to do my readings and and listen to the lectures and so on but always have an eye out for the assignment so the assignments are designed not just to assess your learning but drive your learning and so if you get pass uh, pass uh, grades for those assignments you've met learning requirements if we think of it that way average of credits to do postgrad work quite often so let's put it in perspective about what we're aiming for so a pass is never anything to be ashamed of. A pass is something to be proud of, right? But if we become assessment focused, then we're doing our readings, we're going to the lectures and tutorials, but always with an eye on the assignments. That's what's going to get you your grade and get you through. And so when you can't do everything, I prioritize my assignments. So that can get you through. Then the last thing I'll say is... Unlike other contexts, question asking is really valued at university. So, you know, elsewhere we can, not everyone welcomes our questions. <laughs> you know, they, they can become annoying after a while. They're teaching you how to ask questions in your discipline and your teachers know we learn by asking questions. So they want you to ask questions, whether it's on the discussion board or in the tutorial. So if you ask a question, think of it as helping other students who are unable or haven't had the question yet. It'll benefit them as well. But question asking, right, just can then clarify for you you're not worrying anymore you can move on to the next step before we wrap up are there any other top tips to be that successful student i think that i think that being experimental so taking that reflective approach being willing to to have a go at different ways of doing things knowing that studying is a series of problem solving moments so in problem solving we break the big thing up into smaller elements or smaller steps and so if we can break the bigger thing, whether it's doing a reading or an assignment into smaller bits, we've got a better chance of dealing with it. It becomes much more manageable. Um, reflecting upon what you are doing, what's working, what's not. And then the other thing that can, well, two more things that can be really helpful, simple technologies, simple things that you know how to do as an adult in the world, you can harness them for, at university. So something as simple as list making, We've all made a list to clean the house or go shopping or whatever it is. Making a list of, of what you need to do to get the assignment done. And then how will I shove those steps into my study routine for the next week or two? Or is it about drawing a picture to mind map, to write, to think? But what are the little strategies you already use in your life that you could use at university to help you get a, break things up and, and make it a little bit easier? And then the other thing is, remember, everybody here wants you to succeed. Everybody. That's why they're here. And so reaching out to ask that question and ask support, whether it's fellow students who are going to be great 
buddies as you go through, or if it's services or your tutor or unit assessor, everyone wants you to succeed. And so, and they're here for you, right? Teachers teach because they're passionate about teaching. Uh, the services here, the librarians are fantastic. So that kind of idea of uh, I'm learning and as I'm learning, there's all this support for me. How can I reach out and make use of it in ways that work for me? They're probably the big tips. And the other thing is you'll adapt things for you and what works for you and your life and your approach as you go along. Like, what about you? What would you suggest your, your big tips are, Susie? First thing I do Every semester when I get my unit information guides is go to the calendar and write down when my essays mm. are due. Mm. So I know that I can just block out the social yeah, nice. calendar. I'll learn referencing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then you haven't got to stress about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And most yeah. of us don't hold the referencing style guide in our head. We just know where it is and we go back and double check, yeah. right? Meredith, it's been an absolute pleasure having you in the studio today. Thank you for making the special trip to Lismore. It's lovely to talk to you, Susie. Thanks a lot for inviting me. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm.